Westridge Church, it is so good to be with you. I miss you so much. And I think it's amazing that we can connect online like this. Isn't it awesome? So I am so excited to talk to you today for a few minutes about the goodness of God because at the very core of who he is, he is so good. So I was thinking this week about telling you this story and I was just wondering how many of you wear contact lenses or glasses? So I've been wearing contact lenses since the 10th grade, and I had these lenses that are called gas permeable. It's basically like having a big piece of glass stuck on your eyeball. But since then, I got comfortable soft lenses, and then more recently, I got bifocal lenses, but we're not going to talk about that right now because it makes me feel very old. So when I was in the sixth grade, Mr. Ward said, Amy, can you even see the board? Do you need glasses? And I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know. Do I need glasses? So the summer after sixth grade, I got my first pair of glasses. So I walked out of the eye doctor's office and I put my new lenses on and I was shocked because I could actually see the leaves, the individual leaves on the trees and the lens that I had on actually changed the way I saw the whole world. I didn't realize that people could see that well. I didn't know that I couldn't see. Similarly, in life, we put on lenses and they change the way we see things. It's our tendency to evaluate God through the lenses of our circumstances. And we try to determine if he's good based upon what's currently happening to us. So if bad things happen, we may doubt his goodness. But if we're experiencing good times, we might concede that he really might be good, but it's unreliable um, to think this way because our circumstances change, don't they? So if we're putting on the lenses of our circumstances and we're trying to see God through those lenses, it's very unstable. But as we learn to grab hold of the truth, then we can shift that view and instead begin to look at our circumstances through the lenses of God's confirmed goodness because he doesn't change. His goodness is a reliable truth. A.W. Tozer says, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So the narrative in our mind can cause us to question God's goodness during difficult times. But God's word confirms that God is unmistakably and continuously good. So I want to leave you with a few verses about God's goodness. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. All the joys of those who take refuge in him. And Psalm 135.3 says, Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good, and celebrate his lovely name with music. In Joel chapter 2, it says he is merciful and compassionate. He's slow to get angry, and he's filled with unfailing love. I was reading that passage this week, and I realized that Jonah chapter 4 and Psalm 103 and Psalm 145 and Psalm 86 say the very exact same thing, that God is so good and he's merciful and he's slow to anger. So let me end with this verse, Psalm 145, 5 to 7 says, I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. Thank you, Amy, for giving us such a great reminder of God's goodness today that we can take with us throughout this week. I want us to take just a few moments today and reflect on the faithfulness of God. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today 
and forever. And as it applies to God's faithfulness, we can say with confidence, God has been faithful in the past. He is faithful now. He'll be faithful in the future. You know, the longer I walk with Jesus, the more certain I am of God's faithfulness. And this certainty doesn't come from looking back over the blessings. It comes from looking back over the trials. And we took time during one of the nights of this quarantine to pull some memory boxes out of the attic. Our teenage boys didn't know what to expect as we looked at their previously worn clothes, crafts they did in school or at church, notes that they had written. They were initially horrified when Angela said she had an old diaper to show them. But of course, it was an unused diaper just to show them what they used to be able to fit into. And then this sweet moment took a turn that left us a little unsettled, if I'm being honest. It started out with locks of hair, which was cute. That was fine. Both of our boys had hair brighter than the sun when they were younger. Then Angela pulled out a Ziploc bag that had something in it the boys and I could not identify. My wife had kept a portion of an umbilical cord. At what point she decided this would be something to treasure, I have no idea, but there it was in front of us. Laughter, joy, gratitude, but we remember God's faithfulness. If it had not been for an emergency C-section, our firstborn son would not have made it. Angela's second pregnancy was filled with difficulty as a heart condition we didn't know she had was uncovered, and there were risks for both her and our second son. You know, without trials and hardships, we would not look back and see the faithfulness of God. I can look back over the death of loved ones, tragic moments, financial hardship, friends with devastating health issues, being misunderstood, personal failure, and in seasons of not knowing how I can wake up to face unanswered prayer day after day. But in all these things, I've experienced the faithfulness of God. God's been faithful in the past. He is faithful now. He'll be faithful in the future. We know that us having faith means that we have assurance and confidence in God, but what does it mean that God is faithful? You know, God's faithfulness means he is true to his word. It means he will keep his promises. God is not out to get you. God is not out to trick you. God will not abandon you. God will finish what he started. He will finish the work he started in you. God's been faithful in the past. He's faithful now. He'll be faithful in the future. The writers of Scripture often reminded themselves of the faithfulness of God. It's never changing. It's never ending. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9 says, God is faithful and His love is steadfast to a thousand generations. The writers of Psalms told us His faithfulness extends to the clouds. He is faithful when we are not. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says, If we are faithless, He remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. His faithfulness protects us. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. You know, he's even faithful when we sin. Psalm 89, verse 33 says, I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. He cannot help it. He is faithful even when we don't understand or see what he is up to. Psalm 86 verse 15 tells us God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And I love Lamentations 3, and you may know it well. It tells us that the steadfast love of the Lord never ends, His mercies never cease. And here's the line you know, great is His faithfulness. When I look back over my life, I see a God who is faithful. 
I didn't always recognize it in the moment, but seeing it in hindsight bolsters my faith now. It gives me confidence for the days ahead, even in the days we're in. Today, I want to encourage you to just take some time to look back at both the good times and the bad and be reminded God's been faithful in the past. He is faithful now. He'll be faithful in the future. So it's Mother's Day, and it feels a lot different this year for sure. I mean, here we are in the middle of a pandemic, and I know many of us have had a hard time just catching our breath. The weight and uncertainty of a time like this can leave us feeling anxious and worried, but I want to share some great news with you today. There is help and hope for all of us, and we do not have to surrender to a life of gloom and doom. We can experience peace and freedom from the chains of anxiety, and we can have victory over thoughts that plague our minds. So I want to invite you right now to just take a deep breath, relax your shoulders, and tune everything else out for a moment. You know, when our quarantine started, a friend and I decided to read through Psalms together. We read a chapter a day, and then we text each other one thought or highlight from that chapter. And something that stood out to me that I had never noticed before is the extreme contrast between Psalm 22 and Psalm 23. Now, Psalm 23 is very familiar to most of us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, meaning I have everything I need. He leads me beside quiet waters and refreshes my soul. And it goes on in this chapter to just paint such a beautiful picture of wide open spaces and an atmosphere of such peace. But the chapter right before that, chapter 22, is full of anxiety, anguish, and fear. David is writing from a terrified perspective. In fact, Jesus quoted this psalm when he was on the cross because this is how he was feeling. The chapter starts out by saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I cry out to you, but I find no rest. David writes that he feels scorned, he feels mocked, he's in trouble and distress, and he is begging God for a rescue. Now, I don't know how much time went by between chapter 22 and chapter 23, but it seems as though David took a deep breath and he had a change of perspective by the time he wrote chapter 23. He knew the Lord was his shepherd and he had everything he needed. He had been given peace. And you know, peace isn't the absence of turmoil and stress. It's the assurance that even though we can be in a dark valley, his comfort, his goodness, and love are with us all the days of our lives. So if you're struggling right now with anxious thoughts, I want to give you some good news. The Lord is your shepherd. You have everything you need. Take a moment and just breathe that in. This too shall pass. It will get better. In Psalm 18, 19, it says, He brought me to wide open spaces. God will deliver you, and he wants to bring you into that wide open space, a place for you to flourish, to be yourself, to make a difference, and have such purpose and meaning for your life. Years ago, I experienced anxiety in great depth in my own life. And when I was at my lowest point, the battle that was going on inside my mind led to questions like, Am I the only one who feels this way? Am I too much to handle? Am I going crazy? Why does everything seem so hopeless? And each one of these questions can lead us to believe lies. And the only way to combat those lies is to know and be rooted in the truth. 
John 8.32 says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here's the truth to those questions. Am I the only one who feels this way? No. Deuteronomy 31.6 tells us that God is with us, and he will never leave us or forsake us. Question number two, am I too much to handle? No, you are not too much to handle. Matthew 11.28 tells us that we can come to him with our burdens, and he will give us rest. You know, anxiety is not something that we can fix by hiding it. In fact, that only makes it worse. So we have to be open and honest with God and the ones we love about our thoughts, which leads us to question number three. Am I going crazy? The answer is definitely no. You are not going crazy. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. The word sound mind in this verse simply mean a mind that has been renewed and is secure. So that means our logic and our emotions are shielded from those unfounded and crazy thoughts that have tried to grip our minds. On those days that your thoughts are out of control, I want to encourage you to do two things. First, get outside. Take a walk, breathe in some fresh air, look up at the sky, listen to the birds, take in the sights and the sounds of creation, and I promise you that when you distance yourself from a nerve-shaken society for a moment and spend some time outdoors, you gain a new perspective. The second thing I encourage you to do is laugh. Medical science says that laughter produces chemicals in the body that relieve stress and improve your physical and mental health. We've all heard the phrase, laughter is the best medicine. And it's very interesting to me where this phrase actually came from. The Bible recorded this phrase long before science ever took hold of it. In fact, it was the wisdom of King Solomon in Proverbs 17.22, where it says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So God wants us to laugh. Seek it out. Seek out laughter. Surround yourself with people who bring joy and laughter into your life. Watch a funny movie. Uh, a few weeks ago, a friend sent me a YouTube video of people trying to ride a camel in the desert, and I laughed so hard that my stomach hurt the next day. But I've got one last question to address with you today. Number four, why does everything seem so hopeless? Well, that all depends on what we place our hope in. I want you to know that you are not without hope. Some of you are looking right now for that light at the end of the tunnel, and you need some hope. Hebrews 6.19 tells us, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. It is firm and secure. This is not a wishy-washy hope. This is the kind of hope that shoots up out of the darkness like a lighthouse, shining a light into the storm. That lighthouse and that beacon is Jesus. He's our hope. He's our deep breath in the midst of the storm. He is the one who can break the chains of anxiety in our lives. There's a verse I want to leave you with, and I've thought about it a lot recently, as there seems to be so much that can threaten to take away our peace right now. It's John 14, 27, and it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. What great news that our peace comes from Jesus, not from the world. And that means if the world doesn't give it to us, the world also cannot take it away. 
It has been so good to hear such great words from Amy and Paul and Angela. But as we think about how God would like us to respond to his message of God's goodness and his faithfulness and his heart towards those who are struggling with worry and anxiety during the season of uncertainty, I believe that God is calling us to come to him in prayer. John tells us in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, he says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What an amazing promise to hold on to today. We can approach God with confidence knowing that whatever we ask according to his will, he hears us. And as Christ followers, listen, prayer is the most powerful weapon we have right now in our arsenal to fight against this COVID-19 crisis. There is nothing more powerful for our community, our country, and our world than prayer. And through his word, God calls us. He calls his children to come to him in prayer. But not only does he want us to come before him with confidence, but he wants us to come before him with something else when it comes to prayer. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, the Apostle Paul tells us that it is God's will for us to pray. And not just to pray, but to pray without ceasing and to give thanks in all circumstances. In other words, God wants us to come to him over and over in prayer, and he wants us to be persistent. Now why? Why can't we just pray once and have him answer us? Why does God ask us to come to him with confidence, but then he says, keep coming over and over and over again? Doesn't God already know what's going to happen? Is this some cruel game that God is trying to play with his children? Is God some control freak who likes to, to have his children beg him? Well, that's what our enemy would want us to believe about God. That's the false narrative that Satan would like us to believe about God's goodness and his faithfulness. That's a lie that Satan would try to turn into a false narrative about, about prayer. Well, then why does God want me to pray? And why does he want me to be persistent when I'm doing it? Well, let me tell you this. Persistent prayer, first of all, helps me to keep my focus. If there was ever a time when Christians needed to be focused, it's right now in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. When we pray persistently, it helps us to keep our minds focused on several truths. First of all, it helps me to keep my focus on who God is. As we pray persistently, as we continue to seek to have a, a need or a desire fulfilled, it makes us recognize and think about and focus on the one who has the power to fulfill this need. There will be times as we are praying about a specific thing that nothing seems to be happening. And we may begin to question if God is actually willing or even if he's able. But listen, that just serves to help us to think about God's abilities to work powerfully on our behalf. It reminds us that, that not only are his mighty acts recorded in his Bible, but he has a track record of doing the miraculous in our lives. He has a track record of being faithful. I love Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Apostle Paul says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. He is the God who has the power to stop the sun, and he has. He is a God with the power to sustain the universe, and he does. He is a God who is able to raise the dead, and he has. He is a God who can cure what's deemed incurable, and he does. I think about moments when this church has literally run out of money, and I couldn't see where it was going to come from. And in just at the last minute, it came from unexpected sources. There have been moments where Amy and I have prayed for our sons with tears rolling down our faces. Couldn't see how God was going to answer. 
I mean, there were moments we just felt at times like God was being silent, and, and all of a sudden, he would just come through. God is powerful, and he is able. During those times that I'm praying, and it just seems like nothing is happening, I am forced to think about who God is and what he has done. Listen, Westridge Church, he is able. Persistent prayer will help us keep our focus on who God is, but it will also help us to keep focused on who I am. If you have received Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, listen, you are his child. 1 John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And so because you are a child of God, God the Father says we can approach his throne with confidence. The writer of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can go confidently to God in prayer to seek help in time of need, just like a child would approach his father. The Apostle Paul, he tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, he says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Abba is an Aramaic term that actually means daddy. I read this story recently about a Roman emperor in a, in a chariot as part of a parade. Cheering people lined the streets while legionnaires were stationed to keep people at a safe distance. The emperor's family sat on a platform to watch him uh, go by in all of the pride of his position. As the emperor came near the, the, the place where his family was stationed, all of a sudden a young boy jumped from the platform and burrowed through the crowd and he tried to dodge a legionnaire so he could, he could run to the emperor's chariot. And a soldier stopped him and said, listen, you cannot go near him. And the boy laughed and he said, listen, he may be your emperor, but he's my father. And then he ran into the father's open arms. Listen, we are children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who says, you can come confidently and boldly into my throne room and approach me like a child approaches his daddy. As I persistently pray, it helps me to focus on who God is. It helps me to focus on who I am. But it also helps me to focus on what's important. Have you ever prayed for something only to stop praying about it because it turned out to be not as important as you thought it might be? Persistent prayer is going to weed out those things that are not really that important to us. They're not really that important to our life and going to help us to be focused on the things that, that God believes are really important. So God wants me to pray persistently so I can keep my focus on who he is, on who I am, and what's important. But he also wants me to pray persistently because it helps me to see God's hand move. Did you know that it glorifies God to answer our prayers? Prayer is God's chosen method to meet our needs and to have intimacy with us. I love this quote by the great pastor, C.H. Spurgeon. He once said, God never shuts his storehouses until you shut your mouth. The thing you may need in your life right now may be lacking because you're not praying. Maybe you have a marriage issue. There's just something about your husband or something about your wife that, that just needs to change. You're desperate right now, and you've tried to change them with your own power, and it's just made things worse. Pray it through. Maybe it's a job situation, and, and maybe you've recently lost your job, or the job you have is just sucking the life just right out of you. And you've tried everything in your own power and just nothing seems to work. What about prayer? Maybe you have a child and you've just given it your best shot as a mom, as a dad. You've done everything you know to do. 
I want to encourage you to put it to prayer. Maybe it's an emotional issue and you're, you're battling depression. Angela talked a moment ago about anxiety. Maybe you have some kind of dependency going on in your life. Listen, not only can the truth set you free, but when you put those things before God through prayer, God has the ability to set you free. Listen, I'm not telling you that God is some genie in a bottle or some kind of magic fairy that grants a wish every time you call on him, but he's made some promises to us in regards to our needs and our prayer lives. James chapter 5, verse 16, I love this. He says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person, righteous men and women, it has, the, it has great power and produces wonderful results. God loves meeting our needs, but he has chosen prayer as his method to accomplish this. There are going to be times when we think God isn't listening, when we think it is just no use or, or God doesn't care. Listen, I want you to know God cares. God is listening. God is working. The question is, do you believe that? And do you have the faith right now in the midst of all this uncertainty to come to him with confidence, knowing that your prayers are not only helping you to stay focused on who God is and who you are and what's important, but they're also the key to seeing God's hand move in a situation.